0: Their final week in the comeback series, so nobody will ever have a setback ever again after today. It's just great. Uh, now that's that's not the way it works, is it? You don't do this one time and you never have to worry about it again. Uh, hopefully, you go through long periods of your life without any setbacks. Uh, I wish that for you. I wish that for me. Like. Long periods of time where everything's smooth and everything's working out just fine, but then setbacks have a way of just showing up in those seasons. So we're going we're gonna to take up one more today, and uh, the comeback we're going to talk about is the comeback from disappointment. Uh, the comeback from disappointment, and, and I want to use this as kind of our go-to definition, uh, explanation for what disappointment is. Disappointment is what I feel... When my expectations and predictions don't become reality. Disappointment is what I feel when my expectations and my predictions don't become reality. I expected things to go one way, and they didn't go that way. I predicted that this was going to work out like this, and it didn't. didn't. Granted, uh, sometimes things can exceed our expectations, can exceed our predictions, right? It could be a positive expectation. That's not the one we're talking about today. It's when we expected things to work out a certain way, and, and the way they worked out didn't meet our expectations. They didn't meet our predictions. I thought it was going to be better. I thought this was going to happen, and it didn't happen. Or I thought this wouldn't happen, and it did happen. Right? I get disappointed when my expectations, and, and we could call expectations our hopes, Uh, Our dreams, our goals, it it can take on a lot of different names, but it is that expectation expectation or prediction about how my future is going to go. Now, some people approach this expectation-prediction conversation by saying, well, you should just lower your expectations, Maybe you've been told that or maybe you've told somebody else that or maybe you've heard somebody give that advice. Well, you should just lower your expectations and you won't ever be disappointed, which is a pretty cynical, sad, jaded way to go through life, isn't it? Just have low expectations and you'll never be disappointed in life, That's kind of just a cynical approach. And, and it's tempting sometimes, especially when we get really disappointed. We say to ourselves, well, I'm just not going to care anymore. I'm just not going to have any expectations anymore. Sometimes we want to do that. But disappointments in one way, they indicate something positive about us. Right? Disappointments show that we care. They show that we're invested. We're, we, we desire certain things. We hope for certain things. Disappointment in this disappointment shows we care idea. Disappointments show that we, we have the capacity to be hopeful. That's a great thing. Like if you don't care who gets the job, you're not disappointed when somebody else gets it. If you don't care whether you get into that college or not, you're not disappointed if you don't get in. If you don't care who asked you to prom, then you're not, then then you're not disappointed when nobody asks you to prom, right? If you don't care, then you can't be disappointed, but when we are disappointed, it, it shows that positive side of us. Um, the problem with saying you don't care, which is what some of us kind of retreat into, I just don't care. I don't care. I don't care what happened. The problem is that our disappointment Usually proves that we did care. We can say we don't care all we want. We can say it doesn't matter to me, but there's that little part of us that when it doesn't happen, we're disappointed and it reveals we actually do. We actually do care. If you don't care about anything, you're never disappointed, but you're also probably not a very good human. If you, don't, if you don't care about anything, like if nothing ever bothers you, if you never have hopes that don't get fulfilled, you, you're probably not a very good human. And, and, and sometimes we say, well, I don't care, but that's probably not true. Can you care too much? Probably. Can you care about the wrong things? Definitely. But we care. Our disappointment shows that we Care. We're invested. We're not robots. We're not computers. We are emotionally invested in future outcomes. And that says something very positive about us. It says that we care. Now, it, with each one of these, we've been talking about a specific challenge that this particular setback brings. And here, here's the challenge I want to present when it comes to disappointment. The challenge is there's no one to blame. There's no one to blame. Now, you're already arguing with me about that. Okay, I, 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 I realize we could kind of pick that apart just a little bit. The, the disappointment that I'm really talking about today, though, <clears throat> is largely that disappointment that it's not really anybody's fault. It just didn't go the way I wanted it to go. It just didn't go the way. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. There were ten people who all interviewed for the job. We were all qualified. I didn't get it. It's it's nobody's fault, right? We don't we don't always come out of the interview feeling that way, right? But but ten people, nine of us were going to be disappointed. There probably wasn't some uh, conspiracy to keep me from getting the job. I, I went in. I did my best. I didn't get the job. I'm disappointed. It's it's really not anybody's fault. Sometimes they say that to you, right? That's the best. When they say, "You know what? You are all equally qualified. We just decided to go with this person." That doesn't help, does it? It doesn't make it better. Yeah, I still didn't get the job. Right? But it's not it's it's really nobody's fault. You you applied for a certain college, you didn't get in. The administra- the admissions department is probably not conspiring against you. There was just various factors and and, and it, that didn't work out. I mean, there There is a, a large um, amount of disappointment that it's really nobody's fault. It's, it's just that the circumstances didn't work out the way I wanted them to work out. Now, we tend to find somebody to blame, don't we? When we're disappointed, we're pretty good at assigning blame. Well, it was their fault. Well, it was that person's fault. Well, they're the reason that this didn't work out. We're pretty good at assigning blame. Several years ago, maybe you watched it, the Michael Jordan documentary that came out. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, several years ago, and it kind of chronicled MJ, Michael Jordan would create conflict with another player in his mind that didn't really exist just to make him play better against that person. Do y'all remember that? Did y'all watch this series? Like He would, he would assign something that another player said about him, and the player never said that thing, but he convinced himself that he did just so he would compete against that person. Worked for M.J., Right? Absolutely worked for MJ. He's a bazillionaire, got shoes, and arguably greatest basketball player ever. Worked for MJ, probably not going to work that well for us. If Every time we're disappointed, we try to assign blame. We try to say, well, it's their fault, or it's their fault, or this is what happened. Sometimes it makes us feel better to have somebody to blame. Then again, sometimes we blame ourselves, and that doesn't make us feel better when we blame ourselves. The problem with a large part of disappointment is it's really nobody's fault. There's nobody to blame. My expectation of how it would work, just that's not how it worked. Or or sometimes our disappointment is very general. It's very general. We're, We're disappointed with our circumstances, just in general. Disappointed with my life just in general. It's not this or that or this, that. I'm in a season of life where I'm just disappointed, right? The the, the struggle uh, with a lot of disappointment, not all disappointment, but the the struggle with with disappointment, a lot of disappointment is there's not really anybody to blame. It's not necessarily anybody's fault. It's just I had hoped it would work out like this, and it didn't work out like that. What can happen, though, is that Disappointment can lead to discouragement. And those are two slightly different things. My, my, my disappointment with how things worked out in this situation can lead to a more ongoing discouragement with everything. I'm not just disappointed that this didn't work out. I'm discouraged that I think nothing's ever going to work out. I'm not just disappointed that this didn't happen. I'm discouraged because I think nothing that I want to happen is ever going to happen. This, this temporary sadness of disappointment becomes a long-term discouragement of I'm always going to be this way. I'm always going to feel this way. Nothing's ever going To go right, and I I mentioned the word sadness. That's what disappointment is, and discouragement. Right? It's it's there are versions of sadness. I'm sad because this didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I'm sad, and that sadness can be, as in the case of disappointment, that can be a short-term sadness, or in the case of discouragement, that's a longer term. Sense of sadness. The the New Testament word for discouragement means to lose spirit, to lose courage, to lose passion. Disappointment is this didn't work out the way I wanted, but but discouragement is sort of the life and energy and passion and vitality for my future, the future drains out of me. My, My energy drains out of me not just I'm disappointed with this thing I'm discouraged I don't have a lot of motivation I, 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 I'm depressed perhaps I, I lack any energy just for life in general and, uh, in general another aspect of discouragement from disappointment is with discouragement I feel a lack of control I feel lack of control with d- disappointment my expectations were not met when I'm discouraged, I feel like my expectations will never be met. And it's out of my control. Like there's nothing I can do. It's always going to be terrible. It's always going to be negative. Things are always going to work against me. So as followers of Christ, we're going to experience dis- disappointment. I mean, There are times we're going to experience discouragement. But what, what we want to do is we want to keep disappointment from becoming discouragement. Paul talks about struggles... That the Corinthian church is going through in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be there uh, this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is dealing with with setbacks, with with disappointments, with struggles, with challenges that the people in this community, in this church, are all experiencing. And and his comments to them can can give us some, some help. And avoiding the slide from disappointment to discouragement. This is what Paul says. He begins with his normal greeting, right? Grace and peace to you and um, shout out and that sort of thing. He begins with his normal greeting. And then in verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, okay, things are hard sometimes, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer, And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. So Paul's walking them through their struggles, their their disappointments, maybe their discouragement. And notice that Paul's approach to their disappointment or their discouragement is not to tell them, don't be discouraged or disappointed you may already know this, but telling someone to stop being disappointed or discouraged has never once helped someone stop being disappointed or discouraged. Like in the history of earth, someone that's already disappointed didn't have someone come in their life and go, well, just stop being disappointed. And they went, oh, why didn't I think of that? That helps me so never in the history of earth has telling someone to not be disappointed who is already disappointed made them magically not be disappointed. Paul doesn't say, stop it. You should stop it because he knows that's not going to help. Now, God tells someone to not be discouraged at one point in the Old Testament. Maybe you were thinking of that. Joshua chapter 1, 9, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, God says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua is about to lead the nation into the promised land. There's going to be a lot of battles over there. And so on the front end, like before Joshua gets discouraged, God says, just a little warning here, what you're about to walk into is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And you're going to be tempted to be discouraged and, and I just want to, I want to give you some encouragement. Don't start moving in that direction. I do think warning about potential emotions that you're not currently feeling can be valuable. I just went through this with one of my daughters. She's trying to make a decision between A and B. <clears throat> and as a part of our discussion, I said, her, I said to her, Look, whichever one you pick, either one's a good pick. They're both great picks. There's not a wrong pick. Either one you pick, there is going to come a time when you're going to be tempted to regret not picking the other one, right? Because that's the way humans are. There's going to be some moment where you're going to have this little thought of maybe I should have picked the other one. Now, I I said that because I know it's coming. I know she's going to think that, so I just want to give her a little warning up front. When this happens, it's normal, it's natural, it's okay. Don't let it kind of pull you under, I think warning about potential emotions on the front end can be very helpful. Once you're already in the middle of it, saying stop it doesn't help. It just doesn't help. It doesn't make it go away. Instead, Paul gives us some, 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 some work that we can do as we're going through difficult times. For example, here's, here's one of the things Paul points out. There is purpose in our disappointments. There's purpose there. You may not see it yet. You may not know it on the front end, but God is at work. God is doing something. You're learning something. You're gaining something, not saying that God caused it, not saying that God likes it, not saying that God wanted it, just saying that God doesn't waste it. When you and I are already going through disappointment and discouragement, God doesn't waste that season. God steps into that season and says, Look, there are things I can teach you through this. There are ways I can grow you through this. There are ways you can become someone new, a better version of you, because you're in the middle of this. And one of the things he teaches us is that struggles remind us that the Father of compassion is always with us. One of the things Paul says, struggles remind us, disappointments, discouragement. They remind us that the father of compassion is always with us. We've we've sort of carried that theme all the way through this series, but it, it bears repeating. Paul says, hey, look, the father of compassion is with you. You are not alone. You are not experiencing this alone. God is with you in all your troubles, Paul says. Not some troubles. Not the really big troubles, but not the small ones. Not the really small troubles, but not the big ones. Paul says the father of compassion is with us in all our troubles, every single one. Anything that we're facing, anything that we're struggling with. But, it, but he's, he's not only showing us compassion because he's the father of compassion who comforts us in all of our, our troubles. He's not only showing us comfort and compassion, he's producing Comfort and compassion in us through our trials. Say it this way. Through his comfort to us, he is multiplying our ability to comfort others. Through his comfort to us, he is multiplying, building an ability within us to comfort other people. How do we learn how to comfort people in their disappointments? We learn how God comforted us in our disappointments. We learn from people that God sent to us to comfort us in our disappointments. How do we know how to care for somebody in their struggles? We, We learned how God cared for us in our struggles. We learned how godly people showed up in our life when we were struggling. God, if we allow him in our disappointments... He will teach us how to be people of compassion like he's a father of compassion. I think one of the worst things is is to be comforted by somebody who's never needed comfort. (laughs) One of the worst things is to have somebody try to show you compassion when they've never really needed that sort of compassion in their life. God teaches us to comfort others. God teaches us to show compassion towards others in our struggles. Let me read that portion again. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We're receiving from God. We're learning what it means to be comforted so that we're better able to comfort others. In the next verse, Paul says that, that Christ's comfort abounds in us during our struggles. Like it's multiplying, it's growing. My ability to have a compassionate heart grows when I'm in a place that I'm receiving comfort. The opposite of that is true as well. We can't comfort well if we've not been comforted. Not saying we can't comfort at all. Like if you've not been through a really big tragedy in your life right now, I'm not saying you can't comfort at all. I'm not saying that you don't have any compassion. Not saying that at all. But I'm I'm saying there is a depth of comfort and compassion in the life of somebody who's been through some stuff, right? Who's seen some things, who's traveled some hard roads, who's had some difficult losses. There, There is a level of comfort that that person has learned because of their own struggles. This is what God's producing in us, in our disappointments, in our discouragements. Something else that happens when we... Struggle. We learn to endure through struggles. We just learn to endure. We learn to keep going. Again, a theme throughout this whole series. We just learn to keep going. We learn to persevere. We learn that. We get better at that. As a matter of fact, the only times that we learn that is when there are struggles. It's the only time we exercise that muscle. It's the only time we get better at enduring there, there, there is no strengthening of my endurance level when everything is good there's just not i've i've never said to my wife we just we got to endure this season when we've got so much money i, I don't know how we're going to make it through like we just somehow we got to persevere having all this extra cash around I don't know how we're gonna make it, but we gotta keep going through it. Never said that. Never had a lot of extra cash around for one. But but we've never said, man, all the bills are paid. How are we gonna make it? We've never said, you know what, everybody's healthy. Your mom's healthy, my mom's healthy, my my sister's healthy, your sisters, all the nieces and nephews are like everybody is healthy. How are we gonna get through this? We don't have to endure that season. We learn to endure when life is disappointing and life is hard. Life is struggling. I say this all the time. Nobody signs up for that, right? Nobody signs up for that. But when we're in it, God doesn't waste it either. God says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to teach you to be compassionate. I'm going to show you how to comfort others because I'm going to comfort you, but I'm going to build in you some endurance, some, in, some endurance. Runners, runners in the room, how do you build up endurance? Pain and pressure and time, right? Pain and pressure and time. That's how you. That's you. How you build up endurance. You don't go from running one mile to running ten miles the next day. You build up endurance. If you do, you're going to get hurt and you're going to need a doctor. You build up endurance through training and perseverance and sweating and hurting and ibuprofen, right? You, you build it up slowly over time. Don't do a lot of distance running uh, anymore, but when I talk to somebody about distance running, and they're, they're trying to run a big, long race, one of the things I always warn them about is, is there comes time when you're building up endurance for a really long race, when you finish a long run, and you're tired, and you're hurting, and then you do the math. In your brain, you say, "Okay, on race day, I have to run what I ran today, plus." The halfway point is when this happens for most people. You run halfway of whatever your distance goal is. You run halfway, and then when you're done, and and, and you're drinking some Gatorade and you're eating something, you start. You think to yourself, "I have to do that all over again on race day." I will never be able to do that twice. And I always tell them, you don't have to do that twice that day. You just have to run the distance for that day, that day. And then tomorrow, you run the distance for tomorrow. And if you just keep doing that, you will build up endurance. It will be slowly. You will will have what you need on race day. You don't have to do it today today. You don't have to do the math today. You just can't have to keep running today's distance. When it, when it comes to building endurance, we don't get it all at once. We don't discover it all at once. We run today's distance. We, we, we persevere today. And, and sometimes when we go through hard tragedies, we look down the road and we think, well, I, I don't think I'll ever be to that point. I don't think I'll ever. Not today. Today. You're not there today. You just have to run today's distance. And through the pain of today and through the struggle of today, God is producing in us endurance. Let me read it again from verse 6. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. The suffering comfort of God, it's it's doing something in me. It's giving me endurance. This is not the only time that appears in the Bible. Romans 5, Paul says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Theme for Paul. Paul's not the only one. James says, in James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces Perseverance all throughout the Bible. We know how to endure. You got to go through some struggle. Got to be tested. You, you, pressure and pain is what produces perseverance. Again, nobody signs up for it. Nobody wants it tomorrow. It's going to find us, it's going to come into our life, and God's going to redeem that season by teaching us to be compassionate and growing, producing in us perseverance. In our disappointments, there is great value in just hanging in there. Don't underestimate the value of just hanging in there. Sometimes we feel like, I should be doing more. I should be farther along. I should, I should have conquered this. Don't underestimate the great value, the work that God is doing when you just hang in there for another step and another mile and another day. God is producing perseverance in us. And that hanging in there, that next step, that next mile, that next moment of endurance is keeping Disappointment from sliding into discouragement. I'm disappointed that this didn't work out the way I wanted to, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to endure. I'm disappointed in the way things turned out, but I'm not quitting. I'm just going to hang in there. I'm going to keep taking. Another step. I'm disappointed that this didn't work out, but I'm believing that other things are going to work. God has other things in my future. Don't underestimate the value of just hanging in there. Later in 2 Corinthians, this may not be on the screen, Paul writes in, in chapter 4 We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not. Destroyed. Yeah, there are things we don't understand. There are things we did not want, but we are not giving up. We feel the weight of it, but we're not giving up. We feel the struggle of it, but we're not in despair. We're going to keep walking forward. Now, now, the good thing to know is Paul says God is producing this in us. It's not just my ability to hang on and have a good attitude. It's not just my ability to keep moving forward. Paul says, no, God's building that in you. It's not all up to you. As as we trust God, as as we lean on God, as we come to God, as we cast all our cares on God, as Peter tells us, as as we do that, God's building endurance in us. I, I, I don't have to try to clench my fist and and grit and and i I gotta keep enduring and paul says no if you'll put your trust in him if you'll keep looking to him god's gonna do this in you and yeah you have a part to play it's not to say there's nothing for you to do but you're not doing it alone god is producing in us endurance paul gets to that point a little bit later and verses 8 and 9. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. In other words, if it was totally up to us, we would not have made it. So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. death but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. We couldn't endure. We we didn't see that kind of strength in us, so we had to rely on God, and God produced that strength in us when we didn't think it was there. We trusted God. Our, our, Our faith grew in God. We kept looking to God, and God produced in us a strength that we didn't know that we had. Another thought from Paul: shared disappointments can be a source of strength. Shared disappointments can be a source of strength. Some of us, um, some of us, are guarded with our disappointments. Some of us don't like sharing our disappointments, not saying you should share it with everybody. Some of us don't like sharing our disappointments. Some people don't, being, don't like being honest about our disappointments. I'm kind of in that category. And, and, and a lot of it's pride because we, we want everybody to think we got it handled. I got, I, I'm handling it. I'll, handle it. I'll let you know when it's handled, I'm going to handle it. I don't want to talk about it. But Paul reveals that, that there is power and strength and comfort when we share our our struggles with one another, when we share our disappointments. He's been talking about to the Corinthians, this is what you're going through. And then he makes this turn in verse 8. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. This is Paul saying, you may not realize it, but I get what you're going through. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about some of my moments. Let me tell you about some of my struggles. This, this is that wonderful line that happens when you're in relationship with somebody. When you say something and they say, "Me too." I felt that too. I've been disappointed in that way too. I, I've struggled too. This, this is Paul's "me too" moment. Paul saying. I don't want you to think we've got it all together. Here I am telling you about God's comfort, and, and He's building endurance in you, and you need to trust God. I want you to know that we've felt that weight before, too. I've felt that weight, too. Now, there are wrong ways to go about this. This, this is not a complaint session. It's like, oh, everybody's life is terrible. My life's terrible. All of life is terrible, then we die. It's not that. And, and it's not Paul trying to one-up their struggles, right? We all know that person. <laughs> like you barely get your struggle out, and they go, oh, well, wait, let me tell you what happened to me. Now, and the whole conversation's then about them, and you're not getting a lot of comfort because they're one-upping whatever you're going through because theirs is always worse than whatever you went through. It's not, Paul's not one-upping their struggles. Paul's saying, I, I sincerely just want you to know We've been there. I've been there. I've been not trying to one-up your story. Just trying to connect and say, we get it. There is power. There is strength in shared suffering and shared disappointment. And saying, me too. Yep, me too. Yep, been there. Me too. Been there. This is why church is so important, right? It's why friendships are so important. Relationships are so important. Community groups are so important. those environments that we build, wherever we build, those, those environments that we build with someone who can step into our struggles and share them with us and understand us and have empathy with us and say, not try and to top your story, just saying, I get it. I've been broken too. I'm with you. Let's walk through this together. Paul, Paul ends with these words. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Walking through disappointment should not be a solo act. Paul said, look, we're going to walk through this and Man, people are gonna see the glory of God on the other side of this. I don't know how I I don't know exactly how the story will be told at that end. I just know I'm gonna pray for you. You're gonna pray for me. We're gonna walk through this together. And and they're gonna see the gracious goodness of God when we get through this. God God's gonna be so honored that we just kept going. You've been disappointed before. I've been disappointed before. We will be disappointed again. And God will be there. And God will be walking us through it. And God will be teaching us. And God will be growing us. And we will learn to endure even better. And ultimately, we will count on the hope that we have in him. Because he gives us hope. He gives us a future. And he's doing that for you. If you're in disappointment right now, he is at work to produce hope and future in your life. And when you pass through it, if you're not in it now, he will do that then for you. God, we thank you. That we are not alone in our disappointments. We are not alone when our expectations and our predictions don't get met in this world, you are with us and growing us and strengthening us and teaching us to endure and showing us compassion and teaching us how to show compassion to others even better. But God, help us to rely on you. Help us to rely on to trust you to believe that you are walking with us in those disappointments where where maybe there's somebody to blame and especially in those disappointments where there's nobody to blame I'm just sitting in it I'm just in it to know that you are in it with us that you are moving us forward you are giving us hope help us to rely on you I pray for that person who's who's perilously close to slipping from disappointment in in one area of their life to discouragement over all the areas of their life and that and that today you would, you would light a flame of hope in them. You would give them a flicker of hope that you are not done. And you are at work and you have their good in mind. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.